are listening to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and I'm joined here each episode with my co-host, Chrissy Dunham. And we just want to say thanks for tuning in. Have you ever wondered what the Bible has to say about worry and fear? Have you ever wondered how to decorate an odd-shaped room? Have you ever wondered how to make a quiche with a sweet potato crust? Well, you're in the right place because we talk about all the things. If we don't know the answers to some of life's biggest, most wonderful questions, the guests we have on certainly will. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Welcome to The Wonder Podcast. We are so excited to be with you today. We being me, Christy Dunham, with Lisa Clark, because we are wrapping up the end of our series of Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, and it has been quite the journey. And today we are going to end with corporate disciplines. Lisa, how has this ride been for you? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I haven't read a book in a while that has really taken me in. You know, I just feel like I am here for this. I needed this. I've learned so much. I've rethought so many things because I thought I was, I think of myself as a quasi disciplined person. And I feel like I'm very disciplined (laughs) in not all areas, but I try. And so I thought I had some of this down, but when you really look at it and you see areas of improvement, like the one we're going to talk about now. So we've moved on into corporate disciplines where we've discussed the outward and the inward disciplines. And now we're corporate and we're discussing confession. And so I'll have to admit, Chrissy, growing up in the Baptist church, corporate confession just wasn't a thing, was it? (laughs) It wasn't a thing. That was for the Catholics, right? And theirs was even more one-on-one, you know, but it was inside the church and everything. And so this is really blowing my mind. Now, I have heard about local churches doing more of this, like talking in their life groups and confessing things to one another. And at first I was kind of uneasy about it and thinking, why would we be airing our dirty laundry you know, in community? But I guess the question I have now is why not? So talking about, are we ready to just to dive into this? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So confession. Now, I don't know about you, Chris. I even struggle with personal confession. You know, I kind of just think God's forgiven me. And so there's that, you know, why do I need to rehash it? (laughs) But, But there's definitely a place for it. And even when Jesus taught us how to pray, it was included there. So, but then this corporate confession he talks about that we're a fellowship of sinners first and foremost. So why shouldn't this be something that we really deal with within our communities? So it needs some visibility within our community. And so he goes through kind of some ideas here to formalize it. And the first thing he says is a formalized form of the printed confession does not allow for any excuses or extenuating circumstances. So he's saying that we must confess that we have sinned by our own fault and our most grievous fault. We can't just do a blanket statement. Right. Right. It's, you know, so don't we do that? God forgive me of my sins. Yeah. And I think all of us would be comfortable in a group setting doing that, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, 
here's the another advantage of just coming together in a confessional situation is forgiveness is expected. And so it's given in the absolution. So we know that God's going to forgive us. So when you're able to share that and confess your sins in a more corporate situation, you're able to receive that forgiveness. I mean, how many times do we live in unforgiveness? How many times do we live with guilt? And so he's saying, when you do it corporately, you're able to see and receive that, knowing that your sins are forgiven. He's also talks about penance, and you don't have to internalize that in a confessional situation. Because in corporate, you're able to receive that forgiveness, but also just also talk through it and understand that there are consequences sometimes for our sin. And I guess for most of our sins in some form or fashion. And so we're able to live within that a little bit easier, knowing that we're being held accountable for the future and um, that people are praying for us and lifting us up. It's a very interesting thing because. Why would I not share in confession with my brothers and sisters? Well, one reason is I don't want them to think less of me, right? Right. I don't want to be judged by you. I don't want to air my dirty laundry to you. I don't want to deal with it in community. I just want it to be between me and God. And so that's kind of the big picture of why this isn't happening in a real healthy way. But I mean, what do you think are the advantages of corporate confession? How do you see that play out in your own life? Well, it needs to play out. It doesn't. But you know, Lisa, the first thing that I think of is not only are they going to judge me, which I don't judge anybody. That's what's so funny is when someone confesses something to me, I never judge them. No, But here's my fears that they're going to go talk about me. Yeah. That they're going to go share it with someone. Yeah. And there's just things I don't want shared. So you have to, I mean, there's wisdom in that. No, that's one of the he talks about that. It's very important who you're sharing this with because that person needs to be solid in their faith to where they need to be like you, Chrissy, because you said, I don't judge people. Well, you need to go to that person when you're wanting to talk about some of your sin issues and confess those, because that's a person that you know is going to encourage you through it. They're going to pray for you. They're going to help you seek forgiveness from the Lord. They're going to be accountable to you. And so that all of our fears play into all of these things. Because so, I mean, there's a whole exercise on this, Chrissy. And I thought, man, what a great thing for your friend group to do or for your life group or whatever, but you write down, you walk through your life as a preschooler, basically. So birth to adolescence, and then your middle school, high school years, and then your, your adult years. So you break it up into three things and you pretty much list your struggles, list your sins during that time, list things that you have not been able to overcome, list hurts and pains that you struggled with that might be holding you back in some of these disciplines and in some of the things that you walk through today. I mean, I was thinking about it when I was reading that, you know, in the three sections of my life and going, wow, this could be really good for me 
to not only list the sin struggles at the time and the sins I was struggling with at those times, but also just the hurts and the pains and the things that maybe I haven't completely dealt with. And then you just go and you take those pieces of paper and you sit with people and you start talking about it and you're able to seek instruction and correction and forgiveness and maybe even penance and encouragement and community and love and forgiveness. You know, you're able to see all of that come to fruition when you're able to write those things down and share them. I mean, how powerful is that? It's so powerful. Why don't we do this? I know. Why why don't we? Mm. It really does. And he talks about this too, is it stops the pretense. I mean, are we wearing masks? Heck yes, we're wearing masks. Of course we are. We're wearing masks. I want to look like I'm having a perfect life. I don't want to look like there's any problems here. We're wearing masks. And so when you do this in more of a corporate environment, the pretense goes by the wayside. So, I mean, really revolutionary to me. It's missing in my life. I'm just going to admit it. It's missing in my life. And I remember sitting at an if gathering. Chrissy, you might have been there with me. I think it was the one I went to live. I don't think it was when I watched on video, but anyway, and a girl got up there and talked about her struggle with masturbation. Oh yes, and, I do remember. Yes. Yeah. And I remember just being like, you know, did she just say that? And she right. walked through how she had kind of overcome that as far as just the people in her life and the scripture and everything like that. And so it was really interesting to me how vulnerable she was. We didn't even talk about vulnerability, but it definitely plays into this too, doesn't it? Absolutely. Gosh, that's good. Yeah. So good. Well, is that the end of your- (laughs) Yeah, let's move on to worship. (laughs) That's heavy, Lisa. That is so so heavy. heavy. Let's go from confession to worship and lighten it up a little bit. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about worship. So as we know, corporate worship is very important Mm -hmm. in a church setting or a retreat setting or even at home. You know, if you have people around and life groups or whatever, just to sit at the feet of Jesus, just to experience that. So to worship is to experience reality, to touch life. Mm. It is to know, to feel to experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of the gathered community. It is breaking into the Shekinah of God, or better yet, being invaded by the Shekinah of God. And I love that yeah, because it's God who wants, He wants worship with us. He wants us to seek Him. He wants us to draw near. He wants that. So this is our human response to that divine initiative, basically. That's, you know, this is what he desires. And when that spirit hits, I know you've been there before. I know I've seen people in corporate worship where there are tears. They are looking Mm. to the ceiling. I've seen them drop to their knees. I've seen all kinds of worship. For me personally, I have felt that Shekinah of God come down and like, I can just picture myself at his feet. That is a sign of a good worship 
experience, in my opinion, and according to this book too, because that's the job of a worship leader is to do what I just described, to take you to the Lord, to take you to his feet, because we desperately need to see him Mm -hmm. and we desperately need to experience that because the purpose of worship is not only to prepare us for the word of God, that's probably going to happen after that, but it's also to change us, Lisa. It is to change who we are and become closer with him. And the words of those songs, there are certain songs that when we sing them, my eyes are just flooding with tears because of either how good he is to me or a season that I'm in where I am just so dependent on him that this is a priority in my life. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get into that worship place. Here comes the kicker. You know, there's always a kicker. Sure. <laughs> our our preparation for worship. Mm. How do we prepare? Yeah. How do we? We don't. Pre- we don't. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So he wrote down several things. How do you come? Do you come into the room expecting to hear from the Lord? Do you come in the room quiet so you can listen for the Lord? This listening thing has come up in all my chapters. I don't know why yeah. the Lord did that. But <laughs> that is a echo. common theme. <laughs> yes, yes. When you walk in, do you realize you're entering the Holy of Holies? Do you realize that you're preparing to meet with your creator? So Lisa, just those few little things. Do I come in expecting? No. I come in, hey, how you doing? Oh my gosh, so good to see you. I yeah. saw that your son scored Friday night or whatever. Yeah. High-fiving people, all of that. And, you know, it's everybody. It's just how we do things. And then even the music will start and the worship experience will begin. And people are still walking in and, hey, you know, they wave or, you know, they come in and just kind of look at you, hey, or, you know, whatever. And then... Sometimes it continues on. There's talking during a song or you get a notice on your Apple watch or, you know, something like that. Very, very, very convicting. You and I attend a, I've lost the name of it, Lisa, Christ Church, an Anglican church Mm. on Ash Wednesday. And then Charlie and I went and experienced their Good Friday service last year for the very first time. And I have to say, When we go in, you come in quietly, I'm scared to set my purse down. Like there's no noise. Everyone is sitting there. They are looking straight ahead or they're on their knees or their head is bowed. It is a time of solitude. It is a time of listening. It's a time of expectation. It's a time to prepare your heart for what is going to happen. Mm. And every time I leave there, I'm like, I can be this person in my congregation if I would allow myself to. Yeah. What if I'm the person, Lisa, that is sitting there in my solitude trying to listen, being expectant of what the Lord wants to show me? He also goes into, have you ever looked around the room and had compassion on someone or you see someone struggling, you see someone already in tears, or you see someone that... You saw on social media, they're struggling with something or someone told you that something's going on in their life for you to start praying for them right then. Don't get up, don't bother them, but pray for them. 
yeah, and their experience with the Lord. I've never thought of that in my life. You know why, Lisa? Because I'm the one talking to everybody. I'm the one, you know, chatting around. And this was very convicting that I need to come in with these things that I'm entering the Holy of Holies. What is my expectation? Be ready to listen. Start to have conversations. Do you remember that book, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence? Yes. He brings that up, that he experienced the presence of God in the kitchen, and he knew he would meet God in church as well as well. And he made a note, and I underline this, I cannot imagine how religious people can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. So then you start thinking, well, am I satisfied with my worship experience? Well, I think I am until I read this book, Lisa. Yeah. And I'm learning that I have a long way to go, a long way to go. And he gave some steps in here He talked about praying for the leader of worship to pray for your leadership team that's either sitting on that stage or is in a pew in front, ready to give you the word of God, your worship team, your choir, if you have a choir, all of those things. But it also comes down to that worship is a lifestyle. It's not just the worship on Sunday morning, but it's all a part of this inward listening being silent before the Lord and looking for words and the things that he wants to do for you. So here are a few steps that he gives us. Number one, learn to practice the presence of God daily. Everywhere you go, Ann Vascomp, one time in a book talked about she was doing dishes and she saw a rainbow in a bubble of soap and she stopped and praised the Lord for the rainbow and for her opportunity to wash dishes for a family, for the kids that he got. I mean, you see right. how just one thing yes. leads to another? Yes, yes. Second, just domino effect, yeah. Yes, have many different experiences of worship. Worship him alone. Worship him in your life group. Worship him in the car. Worship him with your family. When our kids were little, and they do this every now and then, just out of the memory, but when we would pray at a restaurant, they would start singing a song that they learned in preschool. Oh, the Lord is good to me. And so I thank the Lord. And they would just sing as yeah. loud as they can. Now today, you know, they're getting ready to be 13 and that's not so cool. Right. If I look back at that, that was a little worship moment. Right. Number three, find ways to really prepare for the gathered experience of worship. Prepare yourself. Stop all the yak yak. Sit there quietly and listen. Find ways to really prepare. Have a willingness to be gathered in the power of the Lord. That is, as an individual, I must learn to let go of my agenda. Of mm-hmm. My agenda. That submission. <laughs> yeah, right. Isn't it interesting how everything yeah, dovetails together. together as we yeah. get closer to the end of this book? Yeah. Cultivate a holy dependence on the Holy Spirit. Depend on him. Mm. Ask him to move in your life. Ask him to give you a word. And he talked about people that are unsatisfied with church. And he said, you know, they say a prayer at lunch and then they complain about the food or, you know, they go to church and they get in the car and complain about the pastor and what he had to say. He said, no, that's the whole, whole wrong thing. He said, that's why people jump from church to church. Yeah. They're in it for themselves instead of Lord, what do you have to show me here? You have something for me here. 
And he goes on, but one of the last things he says is to offer a sacrifice of worship. Many times you will not feel like worshiping, but you need to anyway. Perhaps you've had so many disappointing experiences in the past that you don't think it's worth it. And that is when the Lord is going to move. That is when he's going to show you who he is. So worship is a lifestyle. It's living it day in, day out, looking for him everywhere, Lisa, everywhere, even when you're doing the dishes. It's good. Not just in the church service. It's so much more. So good. Okay. Let's move on to guidance, the corporate discipline of guidance. And it's interesting. I didn't take a ton of notes on this one because I'm kind of, like, okay, I need, I know I need this more. This is just seeking counsel and guidance. And I know you and I are both type A. We're the ones that give guidance a lot, you know? And so we don't tend to seek it probably as much as we should, but the scripture is really clear, you know, where two or more are gathered. And so I think when you start to think about it that way, obviously you're going to pray individually, you're going to seek the Lord, but There's always a blessing and God is in the corporate guidance that we receive when we don't just think, I got this. I mean, I'm often thinking, I got this. I don't know about you, Chrissy, but I know God's word and I know his plan for my life. Well, this is another area of submission for me. But in the early church in Acts, you know, it says that they came together, they were in home churches. They worshiped together. They grew as a family together. They gave Thanksgiving together. They shared everything in common with each other. And this falls into that. Like they were asking, okay, what are you going to do tomorrow? How are you going to eat tomorrow? How are you going to pay your bills tomorrow? Do you see that that is the community that we should long for? where we're really seeking each other and asking questions and finding out about each other and asking, you know, what do you think I should do about this? You know, is this an area of my life that I need to cut off? You know, is this a sin issue for me? And just asking those questions to the people. It also just, I had to ask myself, okay, who are the people that, and I know you've said this before, Chrissy, that We really can only handle about five close people in our life. Jesus had 12, you know, disciples, but three were close Mm -hmm. to him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty standard for all of us. It's just, we don't have the, you know, capacity to get close with much more than that. But are those people that we can trust? Are those trusted advisors? Are those people that will give us good counsel? Are they in the word? Are they, you know, living the spiritual disciplines in their own life where you can seek their counsel and know that that's coming from the Lord? I mean, there's so much of counsel that we can receive through visions and dreams and signs. And are we sharing that with others and encouraging each other in those things as we grow in our walk with the Lord? I think it was a really good just reminder to me to really dig deep in those relationships of those trusted advisors in my life and bring things to them, not think that I've got it all together because I certainly don't. So, right. And that's what we want to do. It goes back to that pride thing again, right? Yes. There's that same self-righteous, I'm good. Don't worry about me. Exactly. And we all do it. We all do it. And I want to be like the people in Acts too. I really do. Yeah. So it needs to start with me for sure. 
all things in common. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the last chapter of this book is the discipline of celebration, which was one of my favorites because this is, oh my gosh, I ate this chapter up because I love this so much. Party don't stop. That's right. The party don't stop. I have to read this opening paragraph because I'd never thought of this. Celebration is at the heart of the way of Christ. He entered the world on a high note of jubilation. Luke 2.10, I bring you good news of great joy, cried the angel, which shall come to all the people. He left the world bequeathing his joy to the disciples. In John 15.11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus entered his life to bring joy and he departed his life, completing his joy. I have never thought of that. And I am obsessed with that, that, you know, he entered on a high note of jubilation. I bring you good news of great joy. And it's for everybody. It's for everybody. That is who he is. He is a God of celebration and he wants us to celebrate so many things. And he talks about over and over that this celebration, this joy can only come from your relationship with the Lord. When you accept Jesus as your savior, it is part of the fruit of the spirit. So you already have it in you, but you need to develop the discipline of celebration. So this is something that doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come, you know, a learned discipline. Like this is from your gut. This is from the fruit of the spirit. This is in you and your relationship with the Lord grows that joy. And where there's joy, Lisa, there is obedience. Mm. So your obedience to the Lord creates joy. And then that joy is to all the people. They see it. And he talked about, you know, a Christian that is just, bah, bah, you know, yeah. like he said in the last chapter that I read that you, you know, you pray over the food. Thank you so much for this food. And then you complain about it. Yeah. You know, it's, There is no room in the Christian life for that. It is a life of joy. It's freedom from anxiety and care. It is time for celebration. Now, of course, things are going to happen. Of course, there are dark seasons. There are these winters in your life, whatever you want to call it. But there is always joy. There is always joy there if you choose it. So this chapter spent a lot of time talking about this discipline is a choice. You have to make the choice to be joyful. I have been in a season and I don't know where I am in it, Lisa, but it is joy in the chaos. It is joy in all the indecisions. There's, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but I can choose to be joyful. And that is who I am, and that's who I'm going to be. There is a verse in Nehemiah that I didn't remember, or maybe I didn't know it, that says, celebration brings joy into life, and joy makes us strong. Makes us strong. Yeah. Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So we can't continue without it, Lisa. They are looking, people are looking to us. When he was born, 
He came for all the people. And if they look at us and we are complainers or we're always down in the mouth, yes, you can have a bad day. Yes, you can have a bad season. Yes, all those things. But it's how you handle it. That's and right. People are watching you mm-hmm. and you don't have to be happy 24 seven, but there has to be joy there. I have seen joy on a widow's face. Yeah. I have seen joy when both my parents died. There were times of joy during those days, times of joy, because I know where they are. I know I'm going to see them again. And there was joy of being with my family. There was joy in hearing those stories. So joy is always there no matter what, but you have to choose it. Celebration is central to all the spiritual disciplines. Without a joyful spirit of festivity, the disciplines become dull, death-breathing tools in the hands of a modern Pharisee. Wow. I loved that statement and started and all those things. (laughs) Every discipline, in other words, every discipline that we've talked about in this series should be characterized by a carefree joy and a sense of thanksgiving because joy is a fruit of the spirit and that joy makes us strong. So I love this whole thing. And he talks a lot about trusting and obeying that old hymn. When you trust and you obey, there's joy there. So it's all about trusting the Lord and that joy will come. The Lord desires for you to be out of your misery. He desires for you to be out of that. You may not bypass the circumstances, but you can choose to transform that misery into joy. And I love that. And the other thing that I, well, there's there's a lot of things I underlined, but this (laughs) grabbed This grabbed my attention because he talked about children for a paragraph. Mm -hmm. Our children watch us bless the food and promptly gripe about it, which I've said several times that this is a blessing. But oh, wait, kids, it's really not. One of the things that nearly destroys children is being forced to be grateful when they are not grateful, when they are not grateful. If we pretend an air of celebration or an inner spirit is put into our contradiction. So in other words, your kids are going to know that's not real. They're going to know that you are not choosing to be grateful. I believe with all my heart, and especially after reading this chapter, that we need to show our kids how thankful we are for every single thing. And that needs to be a part of your daily routine. Thank you, Lord, that my car started. Oh, thank you, Lord. My car started. We can go to school. Oh, thank you, Lord, that we can stop and get this ice cream cone after school. Thank you for the money that mom and dad worked so hard to get. Thank you for those jobs. So in everything that you do, thank the Lord, say it out loud. And that becomes a part of your natural routine and a part of theirs. But you have to choose to do that. You, mama, And daddy have to think like that. Like, I'm so thankful I have this car. I'm thankful that we get to go to private school because other kids don't get to. I'm thankful I just get to go to school because there are kids in another part of this world that never get to go to school, ever. And he also spent some time talking about Paul and how Paul really wrapped this whole thing up in one scripture out of Philippians 4, 6. Set your mind on all the things in life that are true, 
honorable, just, pure, lovely, and gracious. God has established a created order full of excellent and good things, and it follows naturally that we give our attention to those things and we will be joyful. Mm. God has appointed a way to be joyful. Fill our lives with the simple things, Lisa. We started out talking about simplicity and we're ending with being thankful, grateful, and celebrating every little thing. He went on to talk about celebrating Easter, Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries, A's, celebrating you made the team, celebrating that you didn't make the team because you know what? The Lord has a reason why you didn't make the team. Let's celebrate that and look ahead and see what he's going to do. Let's keep our eyes open because he's got something better for us. I'd never thought of something like that. So, you know, you say those things, but you have to live it out. You have to choose to have joy that that didn't happen because God has us. We're going to trust him and we're going to obey him. And we are going to live the life that he's created for us to live and know that this path is just for us. So Lisa, that is a nutshell of how we all need to be practicing our disciplines. It's a lot. And I think, you know, I, I just think a great way to read this book would be to just read a chapter and then just sit in it for a while. And really put some things to practice in your life. And I think that would be a great way to work through the book because it is a lot. We kind of crammed it all into three episodes just to give everybody a taste of it. I read it, you know, not as slowly as I would have wanted to in preparation for recording. And so now I want to go back through it and really dive into some of these disciplines and how I can apply those to my life and just some things because he gives lists and all of it. It's just so good. Just different principles, which you can really take notes and put on your refrigerator. You know, you can really do some things with this. If you are in a book club and y'all are looking for a book just for something different. I mean, it's heavy. You can tell that some of these are heavier than others, but you're going to learn as, you know, like she said, we just kind of, Ran through it real quick, but you're going to learn, okay, corporate worship. I get that one. I understand that one. I need to change this, this, and this. But then the counseling, the confession, the things that we grew up not practicing, those are the things I need to go back and really search and really search my heart and, you know, understand. And that's right. That's right. Know who your people are. Know who you can tell things to, all that stuff. It is so vital to your walk with the Lord, but joy is where it's at. And, you know, we said that verse at the beginning, seek first the kingdom and he takes care of all the other details. So trust and obey those old hymns. If you go back and read them, they are so rich in theology. They are rich in living. So gosh. We could just go on and on, but I would encourage you to go buy this book, Mm. read it online, whatever your preference is. I love to underline all the things and then go back and see, because what the Holy Spirit does is like, well, you underline this, but what about this? Right. Here's something you didn't see the first time. That's right. That's right. So thanks y'all for listening to this series. I hope it's helpful. I hope you buy the book. Richard Foster, if you're listening We'd love to have you. I don't yes, even know we if he's would. alive. 
you're listening either here on earth or from heaven we but you know what we'll see we'll meet him we'll meet him it's a great book That's great right. idea and i'm thankful right. that i got to read it i hope it adds joy to your life and i hope that it encourages you in your walk with the lord may you be blessed this day Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. We are thrilled that you've spent this time with us. Just want to say thank you. We also want to make sure you're aware that we have another podcast called Raising Sinners. It's on the Christian Parenting Network. And we would love for you to join us there, too. If you've got kiddos or know someone who does, check us out at Raising Sinners, the podcast for parents. And lastly, Chrissy and I also want to just thank those of you who have been so generous to support our podcast ministry. If you're interested in doing that, we would love for you to go to chrissydunham.org and click on the party table. You can make any size donation and all of those proceeds go to help us with our podcast ministry. So if you've done that before, we thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you'd like to check it out, please do. So God bless you. And thanks again for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Mm -hmm.